Hey there, it's Jay Akunzo, and um, so <laughs> I've been like up for so many hours now that I, like my voice is cracking. I, I just finished my audiobook, like like just beasted it, did all of these chapters for my audiobook all in a row. So my voice is uh, <clears throat> not what it usually is. Let me just let me just take a sip of this coffee right here. One second. That's some uh, some tasty arabica beans. Oh, and speaking of arabica beans. Did you know there's two common coffee beans in the world today? Yeah, there's there's Arabica and Robusta. So Arabica is like 70% of the world's crop. And, and the, the goal is to create something that's, you know, delicious. It's floral. It's it can be sweet. You can you can roast it to varying levels and degrees, and, and you get all these great flavors in Arabica coffee. So uh, down the street, your favorite little coffee shop that you think is cute, they serve Arabica. Uh, Starbucks, when you get that half calf decaf mocha latte chai, tall venti coconut milk uh, cafe cielo from Guatemala. I know a lot of those adjectives just com- contradicted each other, but bear with me here. That is Arabica coffee. So Arabica is really really common. Robusta, on the other hand, it, it tends to be really bitter. It's a lot more potent, a lot more caffeine, but it's really bitter. So generally speaking, in the world of coffee, because Arabica is so popular, especially in North America, if you have a dark roast, it has very little caffeine compared to light roasts because Arabica coffee loses a lot of caffeine when you roast it longer to get it dark. So yeah, light roasts have more caffeine. Crazy, right? Like it's, it's like that blew my mind when I learned about this. And the reason I learned about this is because coffee was a huge first story in my book, Break the Wheel. The tagline here, I think is very poignant. Question best practices, hone your intuition, and do your best work. And the opening story of my book is about a company called Death Wish Coffee. They are unbelievably cool to learn about. And and more importantly, you learn a lot about coffee, which, you know, for me, matters a lot here. Arabica. All right. So why did Deathwish Coffee choose Robusta when Arabica is clearly the top choice and it's clearly delicious? That is what we explore at the very beginning of the book, along with a lot more things in that book. And that book is now available for people in the U.S. to purchase. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I'm running a pre-sale on my website. So you can pre-order signed copies. I will sign every one of them. And then when it's actually ready this fall to print and ship, you're going to get it right to your door or your office. Either one book or bulk, doesn't matter. I will sign every single one. You can go to jacunzo.com book. So this book is my first ever book. And, and writing a book has been on my bucket list forever. Hopefully this is the first of many, but it does set the foundation for a lot of things I want to explore later on in my career. For now, this book is about something really powerful. Here's how I'd phrase it. Finding best practices isn't the goal. We might think it's the goal. We might obsess over it. We might drown in best practices and tips and tricks and cheats and hacks and gurus and get there quick schemes and, and all these other things that, that tend to lead to real commodity work. So finding best practices isn't the goal. Finding the best approach for you is. So how do we do that? I mean, what if you could walk into any scenario in your work and know how to make the best possible decision, not on average, not in general, not this worked for me, or this is the most common, or this is the precedent, or this seems to be whatever's right in front of my face right now. No. What if you could walk in to any scenario and make the best decision for you? That is is what Break the Wheel is about, making the best possible decisions in our situations, regardless of the best practice. 
And what I tried to do is string together a lot of refreshing stories and surprising studies to explore what it takes to think for yourself in the face of conventional thinking. So you can get your signed copy in the pre-sale in the United States only if you order now on the website, jayacunzo.com slash book. But I obviously can't leave you with that. I need to tell an actual story because that's what I do. I don't want to just sell you something. This is not a CTA podcast, not an interview style podcast. This is a story style show and I'm trying to lead a story centric career. So this is the story of why I love to write. It's called The Shredder. The late Mr. Jack Shred is the hero of my career story. He was my English teacher junior year at Notre Dame, the all-boy Catholic school that I attended in West Haven, Connecticut. Although he was widely regarded as a strict guy who some students feared, he wasn't exactly an imposing figure. He was short and unathletic looking, although he did love cycling. Give him a subject he loved, whether it was his favorite bike trails or last week's ND football game, and he would bluster on about it until he was red-faced and sweaty. His wispy gray hair and round glasses would both bounce as he launched into this diatribe on the best New Haven parks or that new freshman wide receiver from Hamden. Of all the characteristics that people with commanding presences are supposed to possess, you know, chiseled jawlines, charming smiles, booming voices, the Shredder had none of them. But in his classroom, there was no mistaking who was in charge. Yet to me, and to hundreds more like me, his lasting memory was his ability to inspire not fear and good behavior, but creativity and passion. He made it okay to feel emotions and to embrace that we are creatures of emotion and creatures of contemplation, even as we lead increasingly frenetic lives ruled by operational efficiencies and technology. That was his greatest lasting effect on my life and my work. It's all about feeling stuff. I've tried to protect that idea and reflect on it as I forged a career in business. Many of you heard my tribute to the late, great Anthony Bourdain along the same lines. It's about feeling stuff. That's a few episodes ago here in Unthinkable. And I think it's important to embrace and to understand and to take pleasure in the emotional side of things when you're surrounded by an industry or people that want to optimize and industrialize what you love to do. And thanks to Mr. Shred, I love to write. Now, sure. I found my way into podcasting, and I'm obsessed, like obsessed with public speaking, but I am a writer. I feel I was put on this earth to do that. If I'm any good at podcasting and any good at speaking, it's as a direct result of my writing ability. Ever since that junior year English class, I was hooked. I wrote as much as I could. I wrote for the school paper in high school, covering a few odd stories here and there. I wrote for the college paper at Trinity College. I became an editor there. I wrote for the Hartford Current, which is the country's oldest continually running print paper. That's the length that Connecticut, my home state, goes to to brag about something. The continually running part being the most important phrase there, the oldest continually running paper. And then after the Current, I wrote for ESPN's communications department. 
I began to blog in, an, in a pretty innocent way in 2005 as an extension of my offline student columns. And so All-Star Blog was born during a time when most blogs were just online diaries. It was built on the same platform that coined the phrase in the first place, too. Blogger. I moved to Boston after school, and because that's home of the Red Sox and I'm a Yankees fan, I saw hilarity and story everywhere. Thus, Cranky Yankee Fan was born. Then I got all meta, and I decided to blog about sports blogging, and I created Blog Don't Lie. Then it was jayacunzo.com, which is now for my speaking business. And finally, Damn the Best Practices, my weekly newsletter sharing one new story every Monday, plus the beloved email antipasto section. Uh, and if you subscribe to that, a huge thank you, because that's one of the f- my most favorite things that I get to do. But along came content marketing, along came business, and it just ruined me. After working in sales at Google, I also led content production and strategy at two startups, Daily Break Media, which was acquired, and HubSpot, which IPO'd. As I moved from one to the next, sucking up internet habits as I went, my writing changed. I began to write in one-sentence paragraphs. I wrote in pseudo-sentences, short quips, not real sentences. I wrote much more in the first person, which I personally don't think is always bad, but if you ask me, I'd say I'm convinced doesn't always make for great writing, at least according to me. I wrote opinions and advice about marketing and other business topics like I was some sort of village elder despite the equivalent experience of a toddler. And this is especially ironic when you consider what my book is actually about. I wrote tips and tricks and listicles and all that search-optimized bullshittery until I was blue, or really, orange, in the face. I served page views and subscribers and leads as my master, oh, almighty leads, rather than serving craft and story and emotion and customers. And it all felt awful. Just fucking awful. Shred would have looked at my industry's approach to writing and laughed to himself. It wouldn't have been an angry or a bitter laugh. That wasn't his style. He had the confidence of knowing life's simpler truths. He would have laughed because he would have seen a group of children thrashing, trying to figure it out, overlooking those precious fundamentals. Here, he'd say, let me show you. He'd read a passage of Huck Finn, talking about his adventures like he was a friend down the street. You'd think they'd hung out this past weekend, just given how excitedly he told the story and how detailed he could get. All from memory, for hours on end. Shred would make Gatsby feel somehow present in the room. The moment would feel suddenly much grander as he read Fitzgerald's words, pushing his glasses up his nose in a not-so-grand kind of way. As he read stretch our arms farther. Shred would stand on his toes, one arm balancing a tattered old copy of Gatsby, while the other stretched, stretched, stretched towards an unseen point outside the room. Nothing was out there, but something was unmistakably out there. Those moments gave me chills. I was a high school student whose entire world was built on wildly changing but ultimately fleeting emotions. But those moments were the emotions that remained rock solid to me all these years. Because of Jack Shred, 
I understood. Writing to make yourself feel and to make others feel isn't a luxury. It's not a nice to have in your work. It's not something we might do if and when we're given the time when we write things. No. Writing to make people feel is writing. I started thinking about Mr. Shred again recently, especially during the book process. Before he died in 2011, he had moved away from Connecticut and many of us lost touch with him. When my high school posted the sad news of his passing some years ago, I remember the comments on Facebook, hundreds of them, all filled with one particular sentiment, gratitude. This profound feeling of thanks was delivered by each individual through the most appropriate of vehicles, too. Stories. People shared snippets of his life and moments in time where Shred helped make them better by helping them feel. Shred knew that great work makes a difference, not a profit. And if you achieve that, if you make a difference, then the byproduct is the profit, the clicks, the leads, the acclaim, whatever you want. Me? What I want is to make myself feel and make you feel with everything that I write. Nowhere does this come through more than my book. See, I aspire to make a difference, not a profit. And I'm sure you do too. But, but if we really want to do that, rather than keep up with all these hollow charades of the business Joneses, we have to embrace what Shred knew all along. Making people feel. Creating emotional stories. Running the whole gamut from sad and sappy to fun and funny and everything in between. That's not a side effect. That's the point. Like Shred, we need to stretch, stretch, stretch towards what really matters in the end. Work that makes us feel something. Thank you for listening to this short story. It's very different than my usual stories where I typically interview people and then splice it together, very post-production heavy. Um, Because of all the projects I've been working on, I haven't found the time to create more stories here in Unthinkable. So if you're listening, if you've gotten to the end, you are like the true community member for this show and I need your help. I'd love to know, should I do more stories that don't involve another voice, that I can just write and produce with music and sound effects. Maybe I can involve a friend or two to act out the pieces, but the bottleneck here is that I have so much tape to slog through. So if you want to hear more content here in Unthinkable, I think maybe that's the path. Let me know what you think, though. You can just email me, j at unthinkablemedia.com, or tweet me at jayakunzo. Lastly, I hope you'll explore my new book website, jayakunzo.com slash book, and consider pre-ordering your signed copies if you're in the U.S. There's also a lot of quotes you can explore on that page, more information about the book, and I even included the playlist that I really used writing the whole damn thing at a coffee shop in my old home of Queens, New York. So if you want to get that playlist and another playlist to help you get pumped up in your work, I put both of those links on the book page as well. So regardless of if you talk to me about what you want to see here on Unthinkable, if you buy the book, if you share the book or my work with someone else, I just want to end by saying thank you as always for your support. I hope my work makes you feel something. Shout out to people who have already purchased their copies of the book and shared it. Uh, I got I to gotta thank uh, Vincenzo Landino and the whole team at Aftermark. I got to thank Ben Rome, Brian Schwartz, 
Andrew Davis, Margaret Copeland, Sean Lane, Chad Dyer, Kathleen Gossman, Rachel Frederick, Justin Blackman, Lara Lee Eastburn, Grant Gurowitz, Brian McCarthy, Porter Plant, Joshua Kage, Nicola Semino, Joe Canole, what's up, Joe? Phil O'Connell, my dad, hey, thanks, dad. Jody Trudeau, Patrick Pearson, what's up, Patrick? He, Pat knows more than anyone. He went to high school with me, the power of Jack Shred's words. Brady Sadler, congrats on your book. Uh, Sarah, Jessica, Barack, Kevin, Stefan, Meg, Andrew, the list goes on. Francis, Fod, Ruth, John, everybody, thank you so much for pre-ordering my book so far. jayaconzo.com slash book. All right, that's it. Bye-bye.